Get mantra and meditation MP3s at jasongallant.ca. So today I thought it would be great to talk about a concept which is highly misunderstood, and I think it's almost our job as spiritual students to misunderstand everything along the path, because understanding a lot of times comes from mind. <laughs> the mind wants to have everything figured out, and it wants to be in control, and it wants to say, okay, I understand the 10 simple steps to enlightenment. And then, of course, the universe comes in and it just shatters all those steps and all those ideas you have around spirituality. <laughs> and then you're forced to surrender. So this happens over and over again. So no matter what I teach you, no matter what I say, realize that the oneness is in control, not you. And uh, that goes for me too, and everything around me. So there is a greater intelligence which has control. So no matter how much you know, no matter how much you learn on this spiritual path, inevitably you have to surrender to the boot that is the intelligence of the universe instead of trying to be the boot itself and crush the ants, you know, the ants of illusion. So yeah, we, we uh, take turns being the boot and sometimes we're the ant. So yeah, it, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you depending on which side you're on. It's just naturally how this process works, right? So one question that was asked by one of Aratima's Wisdom Life School students was about true desire. When is it right to act on desire and when is it wrong? I mean, and I'm just using these words for lack of a better way, because uh, no matter which path you take, there's always a doorway to truth, just so you know. So there's never really a wrong. There's just maybe a shortcut in that moment to a deeper level of self, a deeper level of experience of self itself. So long story short, when desire is driven by an idea, it's driven by an idea, you're trying to make something of yourself, you're trying to project something of what you think you are instead of naturally being. When desire is driven by that idea or that dogmatic religion or some, of some sort you have, you know, uh, we'll call it Jasonism, Jasonism or something, like maybe I'm trying to project an idea of who I am instead of who I naturally am, that would be a desire that's driven by illusion. That would be desire that's driven by an idea or ego, right? But there are times where desire is coming from the self. It's the grand intelligence giving you orders about what you should be doing with your life in order to match the level of realization you have with the environment before you. And this will be driven by a movement of truth is the word that Aratima would use, but I would say it's an absoluteness. That's one way of describing it, is that there's this one absoluteness that it shall be done, so be it. You know, there's this so be it, like this, this must happen. And it emerges right from the center of your chest, it just, it, this must happen. That's it. There's no idea around it, there's no justification, there's just this is happening, this must happen, and sometimes it's incredibly inconvenient. Sometimes a desire takes you into a total inconvenient place or the wrong place according to a lot of people's ideas, but the heart is saying this must happen. And that means it's something that is for your greatest good on a much higher perspective than the mind can understand. You see, the heart taps into the pattern of the divine. It taps into the universal intelligence and it knows something that you can never know. So this desire is not driven by pain. Not, not by suffering. Pain, maybe pain could be used in some cases. Maybe there can be some discomfort that also drives us, but it's not 
a suffering or a pain that's created from an idea. That's the point. It's not your idea that's coming up with some idea about something and saying this should happen, that should happen, or, and then guilt and shame and all these things are happening. And then you're saying, okay, I have to change something in my life and that, that desire is born out of this guilt and shame. It's not that. It's more about there's something just right here that's so out of resonance with you. It's almost like you can feel the vibration that something's off and then you are forced to make a change. It's like the weather. I mean, if the weather's cold, I, I just put on a jacket, but there's no idealism about it. It's just, it must happen in order to support the body, in order to support this environment. So a lot of times people get confused. They think that desire is bad, but desire is not bad. Desire driven by ego can keep you locked into some sort of illusion. But a lot of times there is a desire also in you that is driven by truth. And there's something that a lot of people don't realize about spirituality, right? And I can't speak properly right now because my mouth is really cold. <laughs> so if I mess up some words, it's not because I've forgotten how to speak. Not totally anyway, it's just this cold weather here. <laughs> um, but my movement of truth took me here in the woods, even though it is so cold, to speak to you about this because I felt deeply in this truth that's moving through me that it was necessary to speak to you about this right now. So the Shiva principle, a lot of people look at Shiva as the destroyer, the absolute destroyer. You know, he's, he's just consciousness and awareness and this one infinite thing that is beyond all things. But the Shiva principle is also known as the great spiritualizer, as it was taught to me. And this makes a lot of sense. So think of Shiva as water. And when water is in a container, if there's too much water, it starts to spill over. And then a new container is needed. So to the first container, this would seem like the destroyed energy because now it is discarded. So a new container can come in to contain more spiritual energy. And this is how Shiva is really known as the great destroyer. This energy is not a destroyer as much as it is an evolver. So as you evolve within, you will notice that there are some things in your environment that also need to evolve with you to match the energy, to contain the spiritual energy that is now flowing through you. And some people that are superficially judging you might think, oh, that person became shallow. I thought they were so spiritual. Now they're getting a new car or they're getting a new coat or they have a, uh, maybe a different house to live in or they're moving to a new country. The reason for this is that there are energies at play that are moving through you that are saying this is necessary for your next step in evolution. And sometimes until you make the shift, you will not evolve further. Like a lot of the trees in this forest, a lot of them have fallen down. The Shiva energy came through and there was this destruction to a lot of the trees, but now new trees will be born. Perhaps stronger trees, perhaps different types of plants altogether. And because of this, new animals will be here. New creatures of some sort will make different nests. This is how it works. An easy way to describe this to you is that you naturally are evolving throughout your life. Shiva. The Shiva energy is naturally influencing you. And when you are three years old or two years old, or maybe, uh, maybe 10, I don't know. <laughs> Some of you might be wearing diapers for longer than others. I don't know. I don't know who's tuning in here. But say you're, you're a baby and you're one years old and you're, you're still wearing diapers. You know, at some point, you discard the diaper and you replace it with pants. But imagine you kept the diaper. So when you're 35 years old, 40 years old, you're still wearing that diaper. 
And not only is it too small, it is just not serving the right purpose for your movement in life. I mean, imagine going to a job interview just wearing a diaper. You might be discarded pretty quickly by that boss. <laughs> person might not hire you for the job because they're like, hey, this, this person's a little weird. They're wearing diapers still. They have not evolved their pants. <laughs> so the Shiva energy is a lot like evolving your pants. It doesn't make you shallow. It doesn't make you wrong. It just means that there is something that is more in alignment with you and the expression of you in this moment. Because remember, as you fall into the Shiva consciousness, more spiritual energy will infuse you and now your newer expression, which is the Brahma, which is ego, will be infused with more spiritual energy and there will be a different manifestation. Now, will you let go of this new structure at some point? Yes, you will. This new structure will also evolve and this continues as you are on your spiritual journey but it doesn't make you wrong. So a lot of people get stuck in the in-breath and they forget to breathe out. That's why pranayama goes in and out. It goes or in and out, right? It doesn't just go in and then you hold your breath for like until you die. <laughs> it doesn't just do that, right? So because a lot of spiritual practices focus on the in-breath and focus on going inwards, a lot of people get obsessed with that and they start to make a religion around that and say everything must go inwards and nothing ever goes out. Well, that's not true. It's just that the ego, the way the ego is, the ego gets stuck. It doesn't go out or in, really. It just basically uses the energy it does have. It's limited energy because it's not tapped into source. And it tries to create from, uh, let's just say, it tries to mimic truth. It tries to mimic creation but it's not in alignment with the truest creation, which has to do with the death process as much as the life process. The ego tries to hang on to the little vitality and energy that it has and maintain that as long as it can <laughs> without ever being rejuvenated back into the source of where it came from. So all thought was lost there. <laughs> See, as soon as I talk about going back into source, there's no more thought, right? So you go back into the source of thought itself, where there is no thought. Seems to be a contradiction there, but back into the source of thought itself, where there is no thought. That's the in-breath. And then the out-breath. Lots of thoughts, lots of thoughts, lots of things, lots of ideas, lots of expressions. But everything is infused with a greater level of unconditionality, more joy. It's a co-creative process. You start to bring the divine here. See, at that point, the divine starts to infuse your environment and assist people around you. Don't reject this part of the process just because you're trying to be some sort of hermit or martyr of some sort and say, I'm ultimately spiritual because I've rejected the material. The highest level of enlightenment has nothing to do with rejecting anything. You're not rejecting the material. You're, you're in, in this too. It's just that many spiritual teachers have come, many gurus have come to teach you the beginning part of the path, which is the in-breath. And then there's the coming back down to reality, which is the out-breath. This physical reality, I mean. Because all of it is reality, but now you're 
out-breathing into the physical reality. This continues in and out. Some people describe it as the Kundalini up and then the Kundalini down. It also is described as the chakras in the feet at some point start to rejuvenate the earth instead of the feet taking energy from the earth. You see? At first, when we're in the ego, we're trying to pull energy from everything. We're like little parasites, right? Because the ego doesn't have its own energy source, you see. It's on a fixed level of energy. It needs to try to pull from different areas. That's why the people bow in the East tradition. They bow to the feet. They touch those chakras because there's powerful transmission of a fully enlightened being. There's a powerful transmission from those feet that help evolve the student. But this only happened because that guru first did the great in-breath, went back to source many, many times, and many, many times came outwards. And as this process became stronger and stronger, the energy became free flow from source itself to this reality. So yes, desire is not wrong. There's just desire that's driven by the heart and truth. And then there's desire that's driven by the ego. And there are going to be multiple layers of motives in this. So truly ask yourself, is there pain, such as ego pain or suffering driving your desire? Or is it just a movement of absoluteness which says this, this must be done, this must happen? And if there's any percentage of suffering that's driving it, then process that. Sit with it, meditate with that feeling, meditate with that thought, let, let go of the thought that's driving that desire. And then be with the energy of desire itself. Surrender into it. Don't try to change it, just surrender into it. And as you complete this process many times, if the desire is still there, then there's a good chance that this is just a movement of your own truth. And don't worry, there's no mistakes, just, just follow it. Trust in it. And it will benefit everyone around you, not just you. It's a win-win situation. So I hope this helps you on your spiritual journey. Take care for now. Thanks a lot for watching this video. If you want to support this channel on Patreon, just go to patreon.com under Jason Gallant.